0: So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing.
1: This Friday.
0: Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless.
1: How far would you go for love? You steal a truck. Bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous?
2: Of course, it's dangerous.
1: Nicholas Holt, Felicity
2: Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under thirteen.
1: You're about to get wrecked. Rotowire's dedicated esports podcast, where we talk about all the latest events and what that means to you, the fans. Here's your host, Joe Bartle and Kevin Hill.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to roto eSports dedicated podcast, Get Wrecked. This is episode number three. You are listening right now to the wonderful sounds and lyrical uh, muses of Joe Bartle. And joining alongside me today is Mr. Kevin Hitt. How are you doing, Kevin?
1: Joe, I'm well. Look at us already in episode three of Get Wrecked. I feel like uh, we're doing some good things. And we've got uh, some other good things for those people that are listening coming up very oh, shortly.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, we do. We got... A terrific conversation with James O'Connor, the one and only CSGO expert. We got some recaps on Virtuous Pro, how they've been doing, and a look forward to the Manila Major. And we also have my Get Wrecked Moment of the Week on top of some Call of Duty recaps from last week.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward, actually. It's funny. You know, I I talk Counter-Strike a whole bunch. But I'm actually looking forward to the uh, MLG in Anaheim with the uh, Call of Duty stuff. Talked a little about it last week. But uh, since that's in my own backyard, I will be in attendance. I'll be there uh, checking things out. Really excited to see that.
0: Yeah, actually, everyone's going to be able to see you from about a mile away, thanks to your bald head. It's kind of like a spotlight for most of those things. Well, just remember, if we ever get stuck on a deserted island, bro,
1: (laughs) I'll be the reason we get saved. So you just be careful. (laughs) I'll be nice. (laughs) And, Joe, we might as well just get right to it. We've got James O'Connor the former coach from Team Liquid here. He was uh, with their CSGO team. He was with them from September 3rd, 2015 to April 23rd, 2016. And and Joe, you're a sports guy. You know stats and you know how coaches have win-loss records. Let me read you this win loss record of this dude. I'm ready for this. Yeah, check this out, dude. He is 139 and 65. No,
0: yeah, 139. No. On, Repeat that for me again.
2: That uh, doesn't uh,
1: sound right. Yeah, 139 and 65 during his time with Team Liquid, <laughs> and not on top of that, his team has taken in over 158 thousand dollars in prize money.
0: That's a nice little bit of money. Yeah. So during
1: James's tenure, 139 and 65. He's got over $158,000 in prize money and some of his highlight wins that you'll know about. He took a third-fourth in the MLG Columbus, which, at the time, was the largest purse tournament ever to be had on North American soil. They actually finished first in the ESL Pro League Season 2 North American group stages, and they took a first-place finish in the CSGO Championship Series Season 1, defeating luminosity gaming in the best of five they took care of them three two knocking them down so uh james how are you man
2: uh thanks for having me on excited uh fan of the show so uh let's let's get started yeah Yeah. (laughs) so
1: all right so james so you know tell us a little bit just about about your background in terms of how you even started with this whole esports e-gaming thing and CS:GO.
2: Um, Okay. Uh, My background pushes me all the way to 2001 when I was in the Marine Corps, and I walked into this hallway where there was five computers on one side, five on the other, a set of five sailors on one, five Marines, and they're all screaming at each other. I thought, (laughs) "What, what the hell is this? And I looked, and you could see that uh, they were playing a game, it was actually uh, a form of Half-Life, and I, I borrowed a computer from somebody, Counter-Strike uh, 1.0 came out uh, right around that time, and I, I never stopped playing. So I took a break, but I came back to CSGO, and I uh, used all that. I played about uh, uh, nine, nine and a half years of, at the invite level, um, so... Uh, one of the longest tenured players and in-game leaders for North American Counter-Strike. So I just came back and tried to help, uh, North America get back where I want them to be.
1: Yeah, so talking about that. So you, you know, started out your OG Counter-Strike guy. You know, I hear yeah. a lot about 1.6 and things like that. So talk to me about, uh, you know, we all want North America to be good and and things like that, and we kind of all get crapped on in terms of how good we are as a uh, nation in the game, so to speak. But uh, yeah. tell me, is is that that's the reason why you wanted to come back and coach?
2: Yeah, I was actually uh, watching Cloud Nine in the summer uh, and uh, summer of twenty fifteen, and they were doing good, and I just. I could see the majority I was seeing the NA hate per se I I just wanted to get North American Counter-Strike I had some uh, I mean I served my country uh, you know in the military and then I was like how do I get involved how do I help North American Counter-Strike and I uh, actually told a few people that I was coming back And the, somebody from Liquid knew me from a long time ago and they reached out and within a week, I hadn't even seen the game for three years, but within a week they had me signed and I was in LA at some qualifier. So I had a lot to learn about the game, um, but I, but I, I got caught up pretty quickly.
1: Well, I think that's very interesting, considering that, uh, you know, we are recording this on Memorial Day. And, uh, you know, first we want to do thank you for your service to our country. We think that is a huge deal here at uh, Roto-Wire and Get Wrecked. So thank you for that. Um, James, talk to me about what did you learn, if anything, from the military that might, uh, you know, carry over into your coaching in terms of Counter-Strike?
2: I think it's just grit. Uh, the military pushes your boundaries and makes you see outside yourself. I remember push, trying to put a hundred pounds of, of material into a 60 pound pack and thinking there's no way this is going to fit. And somehow with like two people standing on it and two people holding the bag, jumping up and down, we ended up getting it fit in there. And eventually you realize that there, you can push past boundaries, uh, pain boundaries discipline boundaries you wow. can you, if you can if you can see it or dream it you can do it and it's all about pushing those limits so i think that that's what i took from that and that's what i apply to cs as far as ideas of uh, our work ethic and just drive and grit and never give up
0: james so your win loss record kind of speaks for itself but i'm curious did some of your players um, that didn't have the same military experience that you did respond negatively or or poorly to some of the training methods that you were trying to instill upon the team
2: uh Not really. Uh, they were a little bit stubborn, but the way that you get past that and the way that I dealt with all of that is I always asked them all the questions. Well, I knew of the majority of the answers and the overall meta of the game, and the X's and O's, and they don't really change no matter what version of the game you play. But I can tell you that what I would do is I would just ask them questions and allow them to think critically in front of me and not really harp with them. I would just extract the answers from them, so that's so they and and time they stumbled to give me an answer that made sense i would continue to ask further questions that would question their own, their own logic of how they were thinking about things and try to align it w- that made sense overall to have some type of uniformity in our play and uh that's that's how it worked out just ask them lots and lots and lots of questions so that they could think critically for themselves and eventually hopefully grow on to be better players that can solve complex problems for themselves.
1: Well, obviously that's worked out for you, James, and you know, you know my background a little bit. I'm a professional volleyball coach. That's what I used to do. And, uh, you know, what you're describing is called the Socratic method of learning, which is how a lot of the sports psychologists in the country say that you need to teach your athletes. You don't want to give them the answer. So it's no wonder that, uh, you know, you're 139 and 65 Record is uh, is showing your expertise there, and uh, so James, you know, you're well aware of the landscape uh, of, of CS:GO and all of the latest happenings, and you know that as we, as I guess we could say, as the purses for tournaments get uh, bigger and bigger, and as there are more and more tournaments, uh, what is this phrase? Uh, mo money, mo problems, and we seem to be having a lot more problems in Counter Strike, especially with the World Esports Association popping up, and now we've got a contract dispute between Luminosity Gaming and SK, uh, with SK threatening to sue Luminosity and their players for a breach of contract. Uh, James, what can you tell us about this? What do you know?
2: Well, first, I business is business, but I believe that all contract negotiations between people are a gentleman's agreement on, on an understanding of what you're supposed to accomplish together. And so I think that uh within reason to market rates, um, you don't ever want to hold somebody just because you have them and, and or else it's gonna come to back to bite you in the ass so what I think happened was that Luminosity as the team worked incredibly hard to become the best team in the world and I think that they blew past their owner uh, and I think that that owner um, tried to leverage them um, and I think the team realized that they were leaving that, that, that organization behind and so they had a letter of uh, intent that they were going to sign then the team realized wait a minute let's stall, wait these two weeks. I don't even want to sign any new contract with Luminosity because there's a lot better offers out there on the table, bigger than this organization could even provide. And then they they got themselves in a lot of trouble and signed with another organization, SK Gaming, uh, in new contracts while they were still under quote-unquote letters of intent that were expired technically Um, with a two week, you know, time period to be you know, to sign new contracts. So, yeah. So I think that's, I think it's as simple as saying, I honestly, I feel like unless some uh, information comes out that really is on Luminosity's favor, I feel like SK Gaming has all the rights to this team and actually owns the team starting June when their contract starts.
1: Yeah, which is funny because you have a a German team trying to sign. A bunch of Brazilian citizens whose contract was signed in the state of California. So you have lawyers (laughs) from three different places all trying to wrap their heads around this contract. And James, I I think you make a lot of sense. Um, You know, a letter of intent isn't actually a binding document unless in the letter of intent you state it as binding. So there's gonna be a lot of things I think coming out. And the big thing for me is is how is this going to affect E League? You know, E League came out and said they're monitoring monitoring the situation very closely and that uh you you can't do anything that would damage the E League brand. And right now they're looking at SK's wording saying they're gonna sue Luminosity and try to keep them out of some events and uh, right now, eLeague is looking at this, saying that might be a breach. What's your opinion on that?
2: Uh, I I actually don't have one. Uh, I'd have to know all the legal sides of it. Um sure. I, I just think that the interest. I think that the eLeague is uh, obviously new, and it's trying to focus on creating the best product for esports, and having this in the background and causing trouble behind the scenes uh just isn't good for business for the, on their end and there's plenty of teams that would love those spots sure. so as of right now it's kind of like keep quiet and do your jobs and and you know i understand you have to hustle on the back end but that can't affect business a larger business end so um i would be okay with them just saying this can't happen now but ultimately i think that all of this happens you have to focus on treating your players fairly so uh I, I could see the only way that Luminosity might end up keeping them is if SK either pays or if they might give some type of equity to the players to make and, and have to figure that. That's actually my, what they might have done to keep them, because I, I can't see why they would stay.
0: James, as a coach, I know you probably have a lot of experience within the field. Does this type of situation happen a lot? I mean, you probably are privy to more background knowledge than we are, just sitting on the outside of this. I'm curious how often this type of situation really happens.
2: Well, I don't think that the com- the organizations right now have enough money to sue on a regular basis. They, they don't, they don't want to be... Most things are handled by some type of private uh, decisions in a sense where they compromise uh so i most things don't go to court so and i don't think that they the esports is go growing so fast and everything is so intense that it's really difficult it, it in some of the early stages with these organizations they have to be focused on growing their business not sitting and paying lawyer fees to sue somebody it's not worth their time a lot of the times which is why in this early stage, you really have to be fair and transparent to your players. So there's a larger issue at hand. A lot of, if you read that ESL is currently doing a new league, ESL Pro League, or it's a, I don't even know what the name of it is, but what's going to happen is, originally the players owned the spots. If I was playing in a league and I was playing an Invite, I owned the spot. Um, I would get contracted from let's say, in SK Gaming, to play under their banner, but I owned the team spot. If I left SK Gaming, they didn't hold the spot. I did. So in a sense, immediately with EC- ECS, uh, E-League, and ESL, with these invite leagues, all of a sudden, the equity in who owns the teams and the team slots had just completely shifted from the players to the owners. And the players are completely clueless some are, some aren't, in the sense yeah. that they just lost everything that they owned and have gotten no equity for it.
1: That's and they're funny. Selling, That's funny, selling their, James. Yeah, sorry, because sorry. I don't know. I, I just It's funny because we're not hearing an uproar about that. Either they're incredibly clueless about what's going on, they don't care what's going on, or there's wool being pulled over their eyes right now.
2: It's a bunch. It's three things. Number one, the teams are telling them, Oh, we're going to increase, and in, it's a sharing thing. We're going to give you the profits. Uh, we're going to, we're going to increase. You know, we, they're giving us money, so we're going to give you extra salary. Great. The second thing they're saying is, uh, okay, everything is. Uh, like, We're going to handle all the paperwork. You don't have to worry about anything. It's it's partially wool. It's partially the kids are so intense like they have so much to do to be competitive and to be the top at their sport that they really do not have time and that they that they would need to delegate this to proper representation but if you don't hurry up you will be like they're already playing there are it's already passed ecs started that's a completely different league that has owner that has league equity that is not going to the players that is getting filtered down to the players but they do not disclose that often to the players exactly how much they're getting in revenue sharing and sponsorships agreements anyway. And the problem in the contracts is that most of the contracts, the players are signing away their entire, um, image rights. So, so that, so basically the, the, they have no leverage. So if you sign your uh, player rights and image rights away for two years, then two years go by and, uh, if if the dollar amount that sponsors are willing to pay to these organizations to rep, you know to market their product, yeah, vastly increases, that you have to rest on the goodwill of you know the organizations to give you that money. And I'm going to be honest, they're not going to.
1: Wow. So, yeah. No, James, I think you absolutely nailed it. The funny thing is is I don't think that uh, these players who roughly run around the ages between, you know, uh, 17 and 25 don't have enough wor- real-world experience nor contract negotiation experience to know what they're getting into. Uh, they don't know about usage rights. They don't know about photo rights, image rights, public appearance rights. I, I think you nailed it. Uh, wow. Wow. In just, you know, the 15 to 20 minutes we've been talking, there's been a lot of good information uh, disseminated here. And uh, we know you got to run. We know you got that newborn and you're off to, uh, you know, go eat family dinner. Um, James, we'd like to say thank you for coming on today. And uh, is there any place, uh, you know, that we can reach you on Twitter? You have any social media that people can reach you at?
2: God bless them. yeah, uh, it's uh, at GB James uh, CSGO. So yeah, I'm actively looking to help uh, investors start an esports organization. I have an MBA and I'm ready to get started. So, so that that's actually my next endeavor. I don't believe I'll continue coaching. That that's kind of lower on the list of what I'd like to do. So
1: wow, that's outstanding. Well, James, thank you so much for being here. And uh, you know, I'll, I'm sure that I will see you. Uh, Uh, throughout the uh, E-League
0: matches that are happening in the next three weeks. We hope to talk to you real soon. And that was James O'Connor providing his insight on the CSGO action that we've been discussing. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more from him soon. Man,
1: again, the guests that uh, we've been able to bring on have been really insightful. These guys know the game. I mean, we brought in James Dreamweaver Bates for League of Legends. And now we got James O'Connor for uh, csgo and uh again what just uh, a plethora of information and learning that we do from these guys it's really neat to have them on
0: believe it or not listeners we don't just bring in guests that are named james we'll actually switch up a little bit more as we go on but that's literally literally the only people that kevin knows how to talk can, to.
1: can we just do the trifecta can i get one more james just to keep the set straight so we
0: just three maybe breaks? i mean it's always better than threes
1: yeah that i mean everybody says it so maybe next week we'll uh we'll have another james on
0: Stay that's free. a shout out to all the listeners. Anyone named James, just contact us,
1: please. And if your name really is James and you'd like to be on the podcast, you can reach us at Kevin underscore Hit two T's at Twitter. And if you'd like to reach Joe, that's J B Fantasy Sports at Twitter.
0: So if you appreciate is- a follow, appreciate some interaction. I love to uh, talk to the people on Twitter. Yeah, so I know you do too. <laughs> yeah,
1: so I'd like to have at least a hundred Jameses. Is following us by next week. So, yeah, that'd be great. All
0: right, well, right, let's move on past the James stuff. There's been a lot happening in the Dota 2 world, particularly with the situation with Virtus.pro. Can you explain to me more, Kevin, what's been happening?
1: Well, apparently with Virtus. Pro, uh, they've been playing with a stand-in at the Summit 5 uh, qualifiers. And somehow they got found out, and at first it seemed like they didn't want to admit it as their first tweet was, uh, we are withdrawing. Uh, from the mm. summit five uh, summit five qualifiers. So then, not you know, just about ten minutes later, I think to save some face, they put up an explanation about what happened and said, no, 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 we're not withdrawing. We've been disqualified from the summit five uh, qualifier because of the uh, use of an illegal player.
0: Do you think that? that was a like a a reaction because everyone knew what was happening or do you think that they were like no we're gonna do the right thing and explain the situation that actually happened
1: no honestly i I think they were trying to save face i think they were trying to um you know get all the parties involved because esports is still in its fledgling state i don't think they wanted a scandal i think they wanted to kind of remain pristine but unfortunately they were found out and uh, there was some the summit was going to uh, post something in regards to the disqualification, so I think they needed to get out in front of it to make sure that their side got told. Jump ahead in the story. I got you.
0: Okay. Is there any ramifications then for the Summit Five tournament with Virtus Pro now out? Yeah, Joe. Some of the ramification
1: of that, you know, it kind of uh, benefits Ad Finum, who finished second in that European qualifier to Virtus Pro, and they'll now get to slide into that slot, and they will be able to participate in the uh, main LAN event. For uh, the Summit 5. So with Virtus Pro uh, being kicked with uh, using an illegal player, Adfinem now slides into their spot as a qualified team. Um, and the invited teams have yet to be uh, determined. So the four teams are set in terms of the qualified teams. Digital Chaos qualified out of the American qualifier. Wings Gaming comes out of China. And then you've got Fnatic that comes out of the Southeast Asia qualifier. So those four teams are set. They're just awaiting the four invited teams, and then these uh, eight teams will go on to play. Uh, that'll be July
0: 13th through the 17th for the Beyond the Summit 5. Okay. Let's talk about a tournament that's a little closer time-wise, the Manila Major. We're going to be getting into it a lot more this Friday when we're recording the podcast. Special shout-out there that's going to be happening. You're going to get a sneak peek, second one this week. Um But let's just discuss a little bit now. So, Kevin, do you think that there's a a favorite heading into the Manila Major? You know, the great thing about what's happening right now is that
1: everybody seems to be beating everybody. There's a lot more parity in the game. And uh, you've got Evil Geniuses as an invited team. They look pretty good. Fnatic looks pretty good. Uh, Navi. But any one of those three could actually take, um, take the Major. And then, you know, you add the qualified teams that had to fight a little bit harder to get through. I can see... Uh, maybe Newbie with the resurgence coming out of China. Uh, those guys have been up and down most of the year, but when they're yeah, up... That's they're... to say the least they have been. Yeah, and when they're up, they're really, really good. So it in terms of, is there any sure thing? Not at all, man. This thing is wide open. Are there favorites? Yeah, I think there are, but as we've seen in other esports, and even in Dota 2, anything can happen, and that's what makes this thing great to watch.
0: Well, I love that, because... All the sports that I'm really into and covering right now for esports, it feels like there's favorites. So whether you look at Call of Duty and yeah. uh, Optic Gaming or uh, Rise Nation, you look at League of Legends and all the uh, action that's happening over on the European side, and then there's only like two people on North America that seem to be doing any success or will be this split. It's nice to know that there's a little bit of action that could happen anywhere with the Dota 2. Uh, looking at the North American part in particular, do you feel like any team from stateside here is going to do well in this tournament? Well, I don't think you can discount evil geniuses. I just think I was that, hoping you'd say that. Yeah, I just you know, it's so
1: funny because it seems like these guys pick up their game at just the right time to make the most amount of money. It's like they kind of go on cruise control. They do their thing during you know other tournaments, but when it comes to the majors, these guys seem to step up their game and do real, real well. So, so Evil Geniuses, yeah, I mean they're going to be the team to watch for North America, and I'm kind of looking forward to seeing again how the new roster shakes out. This will be the first true test for Bulba and AUI two thousand as they have not played in a major yet with Evil Geniuses in this iteration of them coming over. Um, They did play in the epicenter in Moscow, taking a 5th 6th which a lot of people felt was a little disappointing, uh, considering their past track record. But this will be the first time they've played in a major together, and so uh, we'll be able to see exactly what they're about here.
0: Well, this is such an important time for Evil Geniuses, uh, considering the North America Dota 2 scene. There really isn't a lot of great teams in North America. I think that's that's fair for both of us to say. Uh, so I think Evil Geniuses has to carry the mantle, so to speak. And that's a lot of pressure to put on two of those new players who really haven't went through the fire, so to speak, uh, in their training. As a coach um, of Olympic volleyball team, Kevin, how would you go about talking to your players in a big moment like this to make them feel more relaxed and more into this kind of matchup? Well, playing on the big stage is definitely different than playing
1: at uh, you know minor events or even some premieres that don't have a whole lot of people. It, it seems that the bigger the prize, and in this case, the bigger the prize is money, and on a national stage, there's a lot more nervousness involved. There's a lot more things that are involved. The way that I train my players and the way that I've trained my teams is we are not a score-oriented team. We're not even looking at the score in practice. It's a process. And what we say is if we do things right... Things will usually work themselves out. Now, look, you could lose to a fluke every now and then, but we're not training for that fluke. We're training for the everyday thing that happens, and we're trying to get as good as we can be doing what we do. So if they can just make sure that they're looking at the process, looking at what they're doing and how to play, and not worrying about anything outside of just what they're doing, they will have a good chance of winning this thing. And that's how we train our players, and that's how a lot of uh, organizations are turning for a process-based uh, training rather than an outcome-based training.
0: We'll hit more on the Dota 2 stuff, and uh, including the summer split, which is going to be starting at the end of this week in our special edition Get Wrecked episode that will come out either Friday or Saturday. We'll have a word from our sponsors now, and we'll come back then with uh, my thoughts on a lot of the Call of Duty action that's happening last week. Are you an eSports fan? Prove your skills and join hundreds of thousands of players to create your fantasy lineup. Alpha Draft is the best place to play fantasy eSports, and it's easy to start.
1: Choose the contest you would like to join. Next, pick your favorite players, then watch as
2: their
0: stats update live. After the games are finished, you can collect your winnings. Watching your favorite game has never been more fun than when you have something on the line.
1: Be alpha and sign up today on alphadraft.com. I wish Alpha Draft would take into account my get-wrecked moment of the week, Joe, which uh, you seem to forget going uh, into the commercial, which we were supposed to do first.
0: Hey, okay, I was just really excited (laughs) to talk Alpha Draft and sometimes i'm not going to knock your choices all the time because the players are great but your get wrecked moments are way dumber than mine so I, I just thought hey we'll save the audience some time and skip over your stuff
1: i i'm not going to do it then screw it no 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 no, nope, no. i don't nope. want to hurt your feelings that much oh it's it's that nope nope i uh, you know it was it, this one's really good but you know what i'm sorry listen oh, okay gonna... now you
0: have me interested go ahead what was your get wreck moment
1: of the week my Get Wrecked Moment of the Week happened during E-League when TBS decided to broadcast live CSGO matches in prime time. So, everybody got to see it, but maybe, apparently, you didn't watch E-League, you didn't see what happened, and I've got Taco throwing the knife down on nothing.
2: Oh. Stewie as well, Taco alone, it switches from a 2 on 4 to a 1 on 2 in a matter of 4 seconds and Taco, he's waiting, he wants to see the other player, nothing, he's got it back to him. Taco, he has to the knife, oh my god, Taco, he's going to make that shot happen but Stewie, he gets the frag home and Cloud9, they are going to win the round what an incredible (laughs) turn of (laughs) events Nothing man, this is the nothing that needs to show up for Cloud9 every single day of the week apart from this
0: Okay, you got me. I didn't watch any of the E League this week, but I'll be honest, it sounds like a blast. I really like how TBS incorporated like the live audience because while it's a little annoying to hear it right now, I, I would love to have the live audience happening during the TV's breaks and like you can you can hear that energy in the stadium and that's a pretty cool thing, especially when you're watching or listening. Well yeah, I liked it because it looked a little cozy. You know, they use like the uh, same
1: stage that they use for their uh, NBA analysis, that desk, that size uh, studio. Okay. So they, you know, they probably had about 100 to 200 people packed into that. The atmosphere was amazing, and to, you know, to watch. I mean, you you can't see it, but let me describe it to you. What happened was, uh, nothing was walking backwards and didn't see Taco behind him. And he was behind him for a good five seconds, just standing there, (laughs) like laughing at him. And you could see him smirking on camera, Switched to his knife, even waited a second then, and then knifed him. So that's what you you heard all the laughter and uh, all the announcers going crazy, because Taco probably sat there for a good five to seven seconds just laughing before he did it.
0: Uh Uh-oh, Taco. This is Apo, Apo
1: taco licious going Oppo-Taco-licious. Taco. Taco.
0: Taco.
1: Taco. Well, we're going to Apo taco this topic, and we're going to switch nice. it up right over to uh, Call of Duty here with, uh, you know, Joe is our resident expert, Call of Duty. Um, he's trying to be. Well, yeah, he's not very good at the game, <laughs> but uh, he can write about it, so he's good at that. And uh, he's got some interesting things happening in the Call of Duty world here that I think our listeners would love to hear about. Joe, what do you have?
0: Yeah, so it happened last week. A, a lot of movement. We had discussed on our, our most recent Get Wrecked episode about the 100 Thieves roster yeah. moves. They had released Nelson. If you remember, I read you his twit longer. Yeah. What he said, he flamed his teammates. They had brought on Aches, uh, And it appeared that there's going to be some more changes in the horizon. We didn't know what it was. It was answered shortly after we had published our pop, uh, podcast that – there was moves that had happened, but not what you'd expect. So they brought on Aches. That's fine. Cool. They also brought on a guy named Remy. He's been really great in the past iterations of Call of Duty. Uh, he's a good teammate with Aix as yeah. well. So that'll make uh, good for the team, good for 100 Thieves. But the way they went about it was wrong. So uh, they ended up keeping Nelson, which is kind of a surprise to me considering what he all said. They had moved him to the sub role, which nobody knew about. But like in the Call of Duty rules, if you move somebody to a sub, that means you're still allowed your two movements uh, because you can only cut two people. So they brought Nelson back up to the starting role and released Johnny in examples. Now, both weren't doing that well. Like it's not much of a surprise considering where 100 Thieves has been resting, but it was a shock to the team because they thought Nelson was gone. So Johnny then posted his own twit longer, kind of I mean, he was bashing the team and how it's running. I don't blame him. So I'm just going to go over some of the highlights that he has right in front of me here. So he says, first things first, we want to make a roster change, seeing that we are making no improvements in uplink or capture the flag, which is true. They've been historically one of the worst teams in both of those parts of the game. Yeah. Uh, and Nelson at the time was being and acting very childish. No surprise considering what we saw last week. So I'm not taking shots at him. This is coming from Johnny, and I think he's a very good player. When you're hard-headed enough to say and do things that directly impact the team's performance and you keep doing those things, a roster change was bound to happen. So he's not going to specifics, but it's clear that there was some disagreements between the team, and that's likely why Nelson thought he was being kicked out. So then he goes on to say Chapter 2, The Swindle. I like the name. I'm going to give Johnny that. (laughs) Uh, After dropping Nelson, we picked up Aches, and it was the obvious choice because we needed a leader on the team. Boom. That backs up what we were saying. I agree with that, too. After the pickup, we didn't scrim for two days and were a little confused. So we asked each other, and Royalty uh, told us that Aches and Nade had told them they wanted the roster of himself, Aches, Nelson, and Remy. That's a lot going on and, and not very well grammatically said, sure. but it speaks to what we were saying before, that Nelson actually came back to the team, and we saw examples, and Johnny dropped. It's not surprising, he says, considering this next chapter in his novel, quote-unquote kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. which essentially said that they didn't sign contracts when they actually came to 100 Thieves. That's not surprising because 100 Thieves just started the organization probably a week before the Stage 2 season started, but considering now that they could potentially not even be paid at all, that's a really big deal, and that's kind of what Johnny was insinuating. He was also talking about how he had asked shot, the owner of 100 Thieves, if he was going to have a – if he needed to get a part-time job to pay for some of his bills, when they are going to get paid, uh, and Nadeshot was kind of just pushing it off, like, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. And Johnny just took his word for it because Nadeshot's one of the best pros of all time. Well, turns out he kind of got screwed in this situation, and now the esports community and the Call of Duty community, so it's kind of like, boy, what do we do from here? So, Joe,
1: let me try to wrap my head around this whole thing that's happening Yeah, it's a big thing. Yeah, Yeah, so with Nelson – Nelson was not released or cut. He was simply moved to the sub list. Is that what yes. I'm under Okay. So, but the team
0: had the understanding that he had been cut. Yeah. It was kind of like a double cross situation. Yeah. But there just wasn't any communication. I, I honestly believe Nadeshot and the rest of 100 Thieves organization was like, no, we just need a little bit of time to situ- uh, figure this thing out. Uh, We know Nelson is a good enough player, um, but he's been having issues with the team. Let's look at all avenues. And we have to account for the fact that Aix now is in prime position to control the roster. With bringing him over, they kind of gave him full control. Uh, And I think it was a situation where they're like, all right, we have one route where we can release Nelson. Or we have another route where we can release these other two guys that clearly aren't getting along with Nelson. And we can construct the roster from there. So I'm sure, and I I can't prove this or anything, but they probably had a situation where they reached out to Remy and were like, hey, this is what the roster might be. Uh, Would you be in on this? Because we can't really announce it yet. And then he's like, yeah, sure, let's do this. And that's how we had the situation where Nelson's now back on the team.
1: See, that makes a lot of sense to me in terms of they want to win. That's an organization. I mean, they may be doing some shady things perhaps, but you can tell they're trying to create a roster to win right now. And I think that's what this is about you know kind of just making sure that you know Nelson was the bait they put him on the sub list telling everybody that uh, you know that he's gone but in the background they're talking to Remy going no 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 Nelson hasn't been cut he's still on the team and if you want to play with him you guys would make maybe a good duo up there i mean how close do you think that could be joe to what was
0: happening i like i like i said before i really think that that's probably the situation that happened i'm disappointed with how nelson acted um, and considering he didn 't even know what 's happening, I guess I, under, like, I understand it, but i 'm disappointed and that I think speaks to a larger part of eSports and I almost feel like that 's what yeah. the theme of this episode's going to be that there's just situations that people are acting inappropriately for the amount of money and the amount of power that they have that exactly. there's so many things that are going wrong so let's, I mean let 's recap Nelson bad with the twit longer um, Johnny, what he said in his twit longer bad Nate shot who didn 't even issue contracts when he had the team bad. Like, these are all, all of this can be prevented if esports starts acting like they want to be professional about this. I don't, I understand Shot just started uh, putting 100 Thieves together when the stage two happened. It was just a split kind of decision, split moment kind of decision. I get it, but we just need to do better esports as a whole if we want to be more legitimate about this. I wanted to write about it and just didn't have enough time, so I'll just go ahead and voice it here. I'm very frustrated with how this whole situation actually unfolded. Here's the thing that I'm looking at eSports. You know, your age gate, apparently,
1: for being an eSport athlete, ends a lot earlier than a lot of the traditional sports out there. I mean, how many 25- to 30-year-olds are you seeing playing these games uh, at a very high level? eSports, it's in its infancy. You have a bunch of 16- to 24-year-old guys with don't have a whole lot of um, experience. You know, and we're in that day and age where they don't have to say anything to your face. They can just say it via Twitter. They can, you know, Instagram, Snapchat it. So they've never had to really face somebody and say these things to them. Um, And so it's it's much easier to kind of just pop off when you don't really have to uh, own it face to face. And with these young guys, Joe, you're right. These guys need to be sat down in a classroom and taught how to be on social media and taught how to act in order for esports to gain a foothold with um, you know more mainstream audiences that will push it to the next
0: level. Good God. You couldn't have even gave me a better transition. Like The other big event that happened, there was a bunch of different roster moves that took place. Uh, Parasite then rejoined Complexity Gaming, which then kicked off somebody else from that team, who then went to Luminosity Gaming. And all these teams are kind of crappy. They're all trying to fight for that last spot in the playoffs where they can make sure they're into the next stage for Call of Duty and, and participate in the World Championship. So I understand that. Um, but the way these moves are happening is just ridiculous. So to, case in point, and this one's probably the most egregious error for me, Luminosity Gaming picks up Nameless and uh, bumps TP to the, the sub role. That's all fine. They had traded for TP during the offseason. He hadn't really worked out. wasn't really a great slayer right now for them. And you, you could see the results. The move in itself is fine. How they did it's the problem. So they moved TP to the sub role. They tweeted about it on the, I mean, like on their official Twitter account. The very first tweet comes from TP Tyler Palcho himself saying, Oh wow, thanks for letting me know. And it wasn't like one of those things where wow. he's joking, ha No, he literally didn't know until he saw it on Twitter. Wow. I understand that sometimes this happens in NFL, like the really lower guys get cut or like NBA, like the D-League guys get cut without anything being announced. But this kind of thing should not be happening in esports, and that's what's really, really frustrating me with this industry. And in the case of TP, he was just so fed up with how he's been treated that he retired. He's going to make a great analyst, a great coach, whatever he wants to be in the Call of Duty field. But he probably is leaving too soon. Like, he can still play, just not as well as he used to. And he just retired because he's how poorly he's been treated. That really frustrates me, and it really frustrates me that esports can't get its act together when it comes to this kind of stuff. That's not how you treat your teammates, your family, and your employees as an organization. Hunter Thieves, Luminastic Gaming, that's my problem. Well, for me, with esports,
1: again, being in its infancy... You're going to have a lot of people that have never done this before. I mean, if you look at perhaps, uh, let's take Echo Fox, for example. Rick Fox knows his stuff. You know, he's been a professional athlete. He's been interviewed thousands of times. And I am willing to bet that he sits down with his team, uh, teams in the organization, and says, okay, this is how we handle social media stuff. I would not be surprised, Joe, if he puts it in their contracts when he signs a player saying, look, you're not allowed to do things like this that are untoward towards the organization. I know there are professional teams out there, Joe, that have these caveats inside their contract with their professional players.
0: And, you know, you're probably right. I can't speak to how much Echo Fox and, like, Rick Fox talks to his teams, whether it's the CSGO, League of Legends, uh, Call of Duty, but he probably has hired people that know how to talk to them. He's hired people to have that organizi- organization structured the way he wants to and the way he knows an organization should be structured. I think you see a lot of people coming into the saying, hey, there's a lot of money in esports. Let's do this. But they don't know how to do it the right way because, like you said, they're a little younger. They don't have the experience necessary for a lot of this business stuff, and they don't realize the time it takes to put it all together. I think that's the case with Nadeshot and 100 Thieves. Like, I love the guy. I love the like what he's trying to do. But I think he went in there a little naive with how it was all put together, and as a result, now he's got a floundering team and looks kind of bad. I don't want to say it stains his reputation because he's just a class player, but the way he's handling his organization right now probably isn't the way that you would want him to. And I think he would say the same thing too. I'm not. I'm not speaking out of turn. I feel like.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Some you know, a lot of the blame has to go to you know, the youth of the players and uh, their inexperience in how to deal with social media. But I'll tell you what, I, in my opinion, I think the majority of the blame has to come from the top. If you've got organizations that are, you know, making this much money and trying to further the sport and trying to make this into something that could be great, they need to lead from the top down. Uh, I would be very curious to note how many social media expos they're going to, how many uh, PR people that they're hiring in terms of, okay, we're going to learn how to talk to people, how to talk to social media, how to talk to the media. Uh, you know, funny as an aside, Joe, watching E League and watching some of the players that they interviewed during those times, they were shuffling back and forth. They didn't know how to hold their hands. They didn't know where to look with their eyes. You know, their nervous ticks in their face. I mean, there was just a lot of things that, could be ironed out if these organizations would take the time to get these 17- to 25-year-old kids, so to speak, uh, to learn how to deal with media and social media presences. So, no, I think what you're, what you're hitting on uh, is absolutely uh, paramount to uh, furthering esports. and I, I think it's kind of a big deal that needs to be
0: addressed. Well, I think you look at some of the top organizations, just in Call of Duty itself, like Optic Gaming and Rise Nation, and those, they hand, the players handle it so well. Um, I think Skump is one of the best interviewers uh, in, in the World League. I think that he does a great job with his YouTube stuff. And a lot of these players are doing either Twitch or YouTube on the side, so they're getting some experience on how to handle themselves professionally with a mic in their face. But they're controlling the content themselves. And that's the difference between what you're talking about with the interviews at the E-League, that they... They aren't controlling it, so I think they're a little bit out of their element. And you're right. I'd love to see more people just teaching them how to do that. I don't think it's that hard or – difficult to go ahead and say hey you know what we're looking at this we want to present ourselves better we want to present esports better we know a lot is riding on this let's go ahead and have you guys really learn how to use social media properly how to communicate with your fans and i mean like what we do on a daily basis well maybe you you have more twitter followers than me communicate with your enemies and the people that hate you a little bit more to effectively talk to them because esports can't grow more unless we start handling things professionally like i don't want Uh, call of duty and league of legends to turn into nfl that's not how it's going to be and i know that you're going to hear people like uh, james bates came on last week say that no it's great the way it is but for it to really grow into what it could be and what i know it can be we have to have organizations act more professionally than what we're seeing right now
1: well i think the word that we're trying to use or or trying to come up with is opportunity if there's going to be more opportunities for people to Play esports for you know uh, to grow the industry so that more people. I mean, I am sure that there are hundreds and thousands of players out there that would like the opportunity to become a professional esports player. I mean, it was probably our dream as kids when we're playing video games growing up, and frankly, I just wasn't very good at them, so I wasn't good enough to do it. I'm right there with you, Uh, yeah, but. And also, there just wasn't the opportunities. You know, the pro teams, it was like there was 12. There was 12 teams, you know, at seven guys each. So now maybe, you know, there's, you know, what is that math, 84? So there's 84 players in North America playing professional sports, uh, professional esports, doing it at a high level that have any chance of, of making a living doing it. So I think when you have sponsors kind of keeping their ear to the ground in terms of the... Uh, of the eSport community and what's happening, they don't want to jump into something where some 17-year-old is going to pop off and say something negatively when they're sponsored by a certain brand and then have to kick them to the curb and have a scandal. I don't think they're looking for all that. So in my opinion, these guys need to start doing their due diligence in terms of how to do social media and how to do interviews in order to make eSports grow.
0: Well, and your boy Kevin Ackie of IGN eSports today, shout out to him. Uh, he He says it so well, and he says it often that eSports as a whole needs to have more structure. And I couldn't, agree more with that statement and i think you have it's like you said it has to start from the top down uh you have to have the owners understand and be willing to teach the social aspects to these kids because they're kids and they might not know how to and we can't blame them all the time because i i would act the same way if i was a 17 year old with the pressure that they have to deal with that's gonna happen yeah but we need to teach them how to handle it differently and that starts down from the top and like kevin naki said we need to have more structure in esports all right, I'll get off my soapbox a little bit with the eSports structure, and I'll get to my Get Wrecked moment of the Week. It came earlier with our conversation with James O'Connor, where he was discussing how he was getting and wrecking his military bag, trying to stuff the 40 pounds into the 100-pound <laughs> bag, uh, and uh, just listen to what he has to say.
2: I remember push trying to put 100 pounds of, of material into a 60-pound pack and thinking <laughs> there's no way this is going to fit.
0: I'm a company man. I know that was a little bit of a cop-out because it's not necessarily what the get re- wrecked moment of the week <laughs> normally is, uh, but I really just hey, thought works, James was insightful in what he was saying. I really liked his conversation about what we were having with CSGO, and I think it's great to give tribute to some of those guests, especially with his military background as we are doing this on Memorial Day. I just really appreciate that kind of effort and what he really puts into his knowledge of the sport.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. And James, again, uh, great guy, obviously knows his stuff and- Fantastic human being with, uh, you know, serving his country in the Marine Corps. And not only that, but, uh, you know. He's a new dad with a three-week-year-old baby, so why not throw his name out there a couple more times?
0: Oh, he definitely needs more exposure then.
1: (laughs) He's going to need some babysitting help. Oh, God, yeah. If you're trustworthy and you can babysit a three-week-year-old, contact James O'Connor.
0: All right, well, we'll stop plugging James enough now. Uh, All right, so stay tuned for this week's special episode of Get Wrecked, where we discuss all Summer Split and all Manila Major. We're going to have a couple guests on. Kevin's going to be here talking his stuff, and I'm going to be talking mine. We're going to try and get through League of Legends and... Dota 2 conversation. I'm excited for this. Oh my
1: gosh, dude. It is going to be a gigantic week of just eSports extravaganza. I feel like it's going to be information overload, but I think you and I will do a pretty good job of disseminating it in a, in a way that people will understand so that they can uh, you know, perhaps use that information to make a little coin, Joe.
0: Well, yeah. I think that we'll have Ethan Sexton on to give us some of his DraftKings and Alpha Draft picks for League of Legends Summer Split. Mm. Uh, we're going to have James come on, potentially discuss more of what he thinks is going to happen during the lcs and hey we might even have jack come on and discuss some Dota two stuff so i'm looking forward to having our conversation i'm looking forward to breaking down a lot of the action and giving some of the listeners what they need
1: well i think it's going to be a great show make sure that you guys tune in so that uh, like i said you can uh, go play and uh, go win a little bit of coin and uh for joe bartle i'm kevin Hitt. we're rotowire we're get wrecked we'll see you later